Well, I thought I thought I would start by telling you my Sarajevo joke. I used to tell it a lot, and then I thought I told it too much, but now it's the 100th anniversary of the First World War. I think I could tell it again. <laughs> so this is the story. A fisherman fishes a mermaid, and the mermaid says, uh, I will give you three wishes if you throw me back into the sea. So he wished to be young and handsome, he wished to have a beautiful wife, and he wished to be very important. And he threw the mermaid back into the sea, and he woke up, he found himself in a grand, ornate room. Uh, he looked in the mirror, he was young and handsome. The door opened and a beautiful woman came into the room and she said, wake up Ferdinand, we have to go to Sarajevo. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me, this was a very sort of, as someone who was a peace activist during the Cold War, I always like to say that during the Cold War I had three wishes. I wished for dis nuclear disarmament to begin, I wished for democracy in Eastern Europe. I wished for the Cold War to end. And all my wishes came true. And then one day, my friend Sonia Licht from Belgrade rang me up and said, wake up, Mary, you have to come to Sarajevo today. <laughs> <laughs> and that, for me, is the origin of my idea about new wars. So I'm going to say a little bit about new wars. I'm going to Sarajevo was the origin of new wars. And then I want to say a little bit about no wars. The, first, the, the main thing I want to say about new wars is that I use the term new wars not to say what's new and what's old. Of course, there are lots of things about contemporary wars that have happened before. Equally, there are lots of new things about contemporary wars. What I'm really interested in is a new way of understanding war a new way of seeing war, looking at war as having a different logic from the logic we have in our heads of what we consider to be old wars, the First and Second World Wars or the Cold War. So what is that different logic? Well, I think a very useful way of thinking about it is in terms of how class bits developed the logic of war. Klaus Spitz had this difference between what he called an ideal war and what he called and what was a real war. Or rather, he thought war had a kind of inner logic that you could theorize, but real war always departed a little bit from that inner logic for a variety of reasons. And you could derive that inner logic from the definition of war. So for Klaus Spitz, War, the war was an act of violence designed to compel our opponent to fulfill our will. And if you start from that definition of war, then war has an extremist logic. Because the politicians want to win, because the generals want to win, because war unleashes passion among the population, ideal war is war which tends to extremes. And that was the essence of Klaus Fitz's theory. He said real war is sometimes different from that because of friction, 
logistics, weather, all the real things that happen, or because of politics. But war has this inner logic of extremism. So my way of talking about war is, is this. I, I, I have a different definition. So my definition is war is an act of violence um, that is framed in political terms. And if you put it in that way, uh, it could be a war to, to compel our opponent to fulfill our wills, what I would call a con contest of wills, which has an extremist logic. But it could also be a mutual enterprise in which the various parties in the war have an interest in war for other purposes. And essentially, it's that different kind of logic. If you think that war is a sort of mutual enterprise, then of course real war may be different. <laughs> but what one's talking about is an inner logic. And that's really the argument I try to make when I'm talking about new wars. Uh, when I originally wrote about new wars, I distinguished new wars from old wars in four ways, and I will mention them very briefly. First of all, new wars are fought by networks of actors. Uh, first of all, the actors in new wars are different. They're fought by networks of states and non-state actors. They're not privatized war. They involve a blurring of the difference between state and non-state. They're fought by militias, uh, often linked to regular forces, and so on. Secondly, war, new wars tend to be fought for different goals from old wars. Old wars were usually about geopolitics or ideology, socialism versus democracy, whereas new wars tend to be about identity politics, ethnicity, religion, tribe. And the thing about identity politics is that actually identity is constructed, and it's constructed in war. We tend to think of identity differences as the cause of war, but actually it's exactly the opposite. Identity differences are the consequence of wars. You don't actually think that being a Serb or an Albanian is your primary identity. You usually think of yourself in normal times as a father, as a worker, as a... But to suddenly think that to be Albanian or Serb is your most important identity only comes about because somebody is trying to kill you because that's your identity. So Sartre says it's the anti-Semite that makes the Jew. So that's a very important point about the politics of new wars. A third characteristic of new wars compared with old wars. Old wars, the decisive encounter was battle, a clash between forces. <coughs> new wars, the main violence is directed against civilians. And in fact, population displacement is very key as a mechanism of political control. If I were talking longer, I could talk about this more. And the fourth characteristic of new wars is the forms of finance. Old wars being state wars were funded by taxation and often led to increases in taxation and involved mobilization of everybody. New wars are quite the opposite. Taxation has fallen, and so the only ways the various warring parties can finance themselves is through various forms of predation, loot, pillage, smuggling, um, 
taxing, in quotation mark, humanitarian assistance. And all these sources of, uh, sources of revenue are dependent on violence. So if you think about these characteristics, they explain why new wars are a mutual enterprise, both for political reasons, to mobilize around identity politics, and for economic reasons, to sustain sources of revenue. New wars are a sort of mutual enterprise in which fighting is the source of both political and economic gain. And that's why the logic of new wars is not extremism, as in the class fitting case, but persistence. They're very, very difficult to end. So that's what I wanted to say about new wars. What about no wars? Well, I think no wars can be understood in two ways. One is the question, are these really wars? Um, and that's a question raised, for instance, by John Muller in his book, The Remnants of War. These aren't really wars, they're crime, dressed up as war. And I, I'm, I'm quite attracted to that argument because what it implies is that the solution is not war fighting or peacekeeping, the solution is law enforcement. Seems to go on forever, this telephone. Did she run out? <laughs> Without her phone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to go back to no wars. So one argument could be that these, these bouts of violence that I'm talking about aren't war at all, they're just crime. And that actually we did end, you know, when we say old wars, the sort of wars of the 20th century, wars between states, they were war. And what we're seeing now is a sort of criminal violence. And I do find that argument, she's now realized that she's like, somebody took your bag out. <laughs> so, sorry, everybody. So to come back, so, you know, you could argue that these are about some criminal violence. I actually think, I mean, I suppose the reason I think war is relevant is that I do think these are fought in political terms, and I do think you have to address the politics. In other words, you have to be able to offer an alternative to identity politics, which Alvin Kurti is trying to do in Kosovo. You have to be able to offer what I call a cosmopolitan politics and to develop a cosmopolitan politics. So in a way, I think the political nature still has to be recognized, even though I do think these are mixtures of crime and politics. So that's one way of answering the wars, but I can see from the <coughs> blurb about the conference, the other argument is the argument that we're living in a historic period when violence has declined, the Steven Pinker argument, the better angels of ourselves. And I would like to believe that argument, but I do have skepticism. And the reason I have skepticism is because they all quote the same numbers. 
And the numbers they quote, yeah, I might take some water. The numbers they quote are um, all come from two databases, the Uppsala Conflict Database and the University of Maryland. These were databases started during the Cold War and they're all based on the assumption of old war. The definition of a war is that a certain number of people are killed in battle um, and that a state is involved. Uppsala have made some efforts to adjust to this definition of war uh, and to add some others, but basically those numbers rely on old war and what they show dramatically is a decline of old war. What they don't measure is the new kinds of wars. We really don't know what the scale of these wars are. And so there's these figures about that. I'm, I'm prepared to believe, actually, that overall casualties in war are declining, I mean, intuitively, mainly because the main tactic in new wars is population displacement rather than killing. And because new media make that possible. You can frighten people very easily with websites, YouTube, Facebook, and people run away. So you don't actually need to use the kind of violence that you might have needed to do in earlier wars. But we really don't know the scale of new wars. We do not know whether they're declining or increasing because we don't have the appropriate data. I mean, another problem is the data is nation state based. Whereas anyone who studies contemporary conflicts knows that they're cross-border, that they're regional, that they're local, and these state-based definitions don't help us. So the question then arises, um, we, we don't know whether these new wars are declining, but can we argue that old wars are over, that we're moving towards a world which is a more peaceful world, a world of no wars. And I think my fundamental argument is that this is not a scientific question. <laughs> the question really is, how do we analyze wars? And do we analyze wars in such a way that helps us to address them? And as long as you continue to think about war in old war terms, which these figures do, <laughs> then it's going to be very, very difficult to deal with contemporary violence. And that applies to peace agreements as well and to peace building. Most peace agreements are based on the assumption of old war. They're based on the assumption of a contest of wills. Whereas new wars, in new wars, you have the parties to the war are usually minorities in their societies and usually have an interest in keeping war going. And if they are going to be ready to have a peace agreement, it's only because this will entrench their power. And that's what happens as a result of peace agreements. Peace agreements guarantee the position of the warring parties in positions of power, which then makes it impossible, really, to develop a sustainable peace over the long term. So I suppose what I'm really... Um, arguing is, it may be the case that over the next few years we'll see a spread of new wars. And in my own view, the war in Syria 
and the developing situation in Ukraine is extremely alarming. And unless we learn to think about new wars in different ways, I think it would be very, very difficult for us to address those conflicts. And I think even more alarming is the idea that's expressed by John Keegan, the historian of war, that in fact, if new wars really spread, we may, the may, maybe the only way we'll learn to deal with them is through old wars. What do I mean by that? That in the early modern period, where you had a privatization of violence, where you had pirates, um, militias, warlords, uh, noblemen with their own armies, the only way you managed to integrate them and to establish a monopoly of violence was through fighting old wars against other states. And Keegan says, well, if this continues, maybe we'll have to do this all over again. I'm not offering this as a really alarmist scenario, but what I'm trying to say is that the question of whether we're going to have no wars or new wars in the future really depends on whether people like the scholars here in Oxpeace are able to change the way we think about war. 